offer him the crystal. Why are you so determined to destroy him? Daken has destroyed millions in his quest for power. One of those millions was my wife. Does he know what he's done to you? He knows. Then he'll expect an attack. From me, yes, but not from you. A helpless prisoner. You should have one clear shot from your eyes at full strength. I won't take a life in cold blood. If Daken lives and gets his hands on the crystal, and eventually he will, billions of lives will be lost. Is your sense of honor worth so much? Is one woman's life important enough to risk the fate of an entire galaxy? It was. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Gospel X, the Gospel According to the X-Men. My name is Jonathan, and this is my pal Henry. And we're just so glad that you can join us today. And uh, we're right now on the verge of heading into and exploring season three again, but episode six. And that is when they when the X-Men encounter a very 80s <laughs> name, <laughs> Star Jammers. The Star Jammers. Oh my gosh. Space Pirates. All I could think of is these like neon glasses and tights <laughs> and leotards. And big uh, hair. Big hair and men wearing lipstick as rock stars. Anyway, so <laughs> Henry, what stood out for you in this episode when the X-Men met the Star Jammers. Uh, it's just uh, stuff just keeps happening. We got this uh, new characters just, just all of a sudden just show up, right? Mm. It seems like it's been happening a couple episodes. Every episode, just a new random group of people just show up for no reason. Yeah, so well, no my favorite there. was, yeah, my favorite was Gladiator, but I don't know. <laughs> Eric the Red, whatever, someone just shows up and then you're just supposed to accept that, hey, okay, it's all just a big coincidence, but <laughs> yeah. basically the Star Jammers, Space Pirates show up right when the X-Men arrive at the ship, so yeah. literally two seconds after they arrive, the Star Jammers arrive. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they, they manage to stun the X-Men and steal the Mcron crystal. And yeah, for yeah. some reason, some reason, coincidence, Corsair, the leader of the Star Jammers, takes Cyclops of all the X-Men he, he could have taken. He yeah, exactly. Cyclops. Yeah, 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 yeah. For some reason, you got some Deus Ex Machina going on. <laughs> because 30 seconds later, Phoenix reveals to the audience Corsair is actually Cyclops' father. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> From outer okay. space. Yeah. It is, yes, it's, uh, what a coincidence. Cyclops' father, you know, of, of yeah. the size of the universe. They yeah, what, what's the odds? What are the odds, right? Yeah. So in the episode, basically, like, let, the next thing that happens is Corsair tells Cyclops that he's not really going to sell the Emkron crystal to the Emperor. He's using yeah. it to lure the Emperor so that he can get his revenge because right. the Emperor, the Ken, um, killed Corsair's wife, mm -hmm. Cyclops' mother. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. And during that interaction where Corsair is telling Cyclops um, his plan, Cyclops is saying, how can you do this? 
how can you jeopardize the lives of billions of people and the entire galaxy to go and get your revenge for the sake of one woman, which mm -hmm. is uh, Corsair's wife. And then Corsair says, you know what? Like, I will, I, I will sacrifice for this, for this one woman because that, that's, that is what is important to him. Right, right. And finally, you know, the, the episode continues. The plan doesn't actually succeed. Decan actually does at the end of the episode win. But it's that interaction between Cyclops and his father, who they don't know that they're related yet, that yeah. I think is the heart of this episode. Right, right. Right. So yeah. So like, yeah. Can you elaborate more on that dialogue? Like, uh, what was going on there? So basically, um, uh, Corsair is telling Cyclops a plan. Cyclops, he's basically a Boy Scout. He says, "No, we have to do the right thing. The honorable we thing. Have to do the right thing." Uh, basically, says it's implied in the in the scene. I could never do what you do. Yeah, yeah, I could yeah. never stoop down to that level to yeah. sacrifice everything. Yeah, for just a revenge, right? For the purpose for revenge, of revenge, you know, for for the the for one woman. And guess what? You know, the irony is that because they're fa their son, father and son, mm -hmm. right? The implication is that no, Cyclops, if you were in his shoes and what ha he faced happened to you. Mm -hmm. you would do the same thing that he would yeah and and we we kind of see this in the character of cyclops and his love for gene if gene gray was murdered by somebody cyclops would definitely go and try to get his revenge exactly yeah yeah and so he's judging his father with a level of moral superiority even though that if it happened to him yeah. he would do the same thing yeah Completely, totally. Like uh, we were talking about this as we were preparing this. It's like uh, he did have that type of scenario before with Sinister, right? Where uh, Sinister hurt his friends and then he just went ballistic, right? And almost like uh, disintegrated Sinister. And so Cyclops did that, like by saying that, he's almost like condemning himself of hypocrisy, right. of uh, mm -hmm. saying that, like, uh, I am, uh, like, uh, no, there's a moral high ground and everything just because the situation was suited for him, right? Because the, the situation was Corsair being the guilty one and not him. So it was more suitable for him, for Cyclops to say it as opposed to Corsair. But then if the situation was reversed, you know, he would have just done it too <laughs> himself. Right? He just, well, he would have done exactly the same thing. Yeah, it, it's so easy for us to do that, right? It's so easy, especially now, uh, the date is June the 19th, 2020. It's very easy, uh, you know, and, and for those of you why I'm quoting this day is because we're still in the midst of Black Lives Matter, the protests, environmental, eco-terrorists, or eco-protests. Sorry, <laughs> I, I'm still living in the Poison Ivy uh, sermon that I just did. So the eco-protest, every protest you could think of, and uh, everybody trying to say that we have to higher moral ground and we are right. But then the, uh, it's because the situation finds itself favorable for you to say it. However, if the situation is not favorable for us, then we find ourselves condemned. Actually, the very words that we say condemns us, 
of uh, hypocrisy, right? It's really inter uh, it's just uh, interesting and it's a good reminder for us to not to be quick to judge. <laughs> it seems like the seems like the theme of the times now is that the, the mindset that no, I would if I was you, I would never have done that. That's I would right. never do what you do. I would never stoop um, and basically sacrifice my current morals. Yeah. Um, in any situation, I would never I have. I would never spit at somebody just because they are. Uh, I'm I'm angry at them, right? <laughs> Yet and I wonder, right? It it just I wonder too. Is that uh, hey, in this day and age, right? It's so easy to say that to just say that I would never do that. I would never sacrifice my morals. Um, but it's hard to live out because it is. Who knows what you would do in those situations? Right. You don't know. You don't know. And you don't know when, what situation you'll find yourself that your morals will be challenged, right? And so, therefore, it's like, um, it's interesting. It's a, um, that is very, in a way, very uh, Western, very Greek in a way that uh, we want to be this perfect person and we want to exemplify this perfection. But... Uh, it's just that it's not that. It's more like a journey towards that. It's a journey towards a, a, of humility, saying that just to admit that, you know what? We're human, we're broken, and we all need Jesus <laughs> to, to help us to fix us, right? To, uh, to, uh, because you know what? No matter what kind of, however we see ourselves as the moral, chances are when we find ourselves in a situation that is not favorable for us, we'll fall flat. Does... The, what does the gospel say about having a high moral standard? Well, we are the gospel is not supposed uh, with regards to high moral standards is to not to take pride in that moral standard. It's a more of a taking a humble approach to the moral standard to know that to understand that the moral standard is there, the high moral standards they're given by well, God, but to also realize that and have the humility that we can't get there, and we're never going to get there. That's our stance. So and basically, only, it's like no matter how good you think you are, right. you're still on the same level as everybody else about, around exactly. you, right? Right. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? We cannot it's get like there. Yeah. Yeah. We can't and, just compare ourselves and say we have, we're, we're more moral than these people or those people. Yeah. In God's eyes, are we kind of the same? Yeah, because if you think about it, um, we do have a tendency, you and I are both Christian, and we have a tendency to become prideful, saying that, hey, we have, we got it, right? Where like, we have this moral high ground. But really, we don't. Deep down, we don't, <laughs> right? Deep down, we all know that we have our failures, right? And so, therefore, um, the best stance, uh, the, uh, the best Christian stance towards morality and high ground or whatever standards is actually a humble approach, a humble stance. To know that we'll never we never get there un unless through Jesus' death and resurrection. There you yeah. go. All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us in this conversation with regards to moral high grounds, hypocrisy, or <laughs> however you want to interpret this, uh, this judging episode, others. judging others in this uh, episode of Gospel X. Thank you for joining us, and till next time, we hope you have a blessed week. Bye now.